Welcome to the Perfectly Preserved Podcast. I'm your host, Jenny Gomes. And I'm Anna Cash. Here, we come together to bring you a podcast all about preserving food safely, easily, and dare I say perfectly at home. We are master food preservers, moms, wives, and we love talking about canning. We've decided the world needs a podcast that shares up-to-date, modern, safe information about canning, dehydrating, freezing, freeze-drying, and more. We answer listener questions, teach beginner and intermediate techniques, and share our very best tips for preserving successfully. We'll show you how to find trusted recipes, sources, and more so you never have to second-guess your preserving practices again. Ready to pan like a master preserver? Let's get into today's episode. We have a great episode planned for you guys today. Before we hit record, Anna said that she has never been more ready for a topic in her life, and I feel exactly the same way. Acid and canning, my friends. It is one of the key elements that make canning work. It is super important to understand. Like, you can can safely and and know nothing about acid and canning, but once you learn about acid... It makes so much more sense and it makes it makes it so that all the rules that you follow with water bath canning versus pressure canning, it makes it all make sense. And hopefully it'll like remind you of like eighth grade science with the litmus paper where you are measuring the pH of certain foods and elements and stuff, whatever you had in science class. But let's dive in. Acid and canning. Okay. All foods have a pH or an acid value. Some foods are more alkaline, and some are more acid. Water is about a seven, so like right in the middle, right, of the scale that goes from, I think it goes from zero to 14. Lemons are like a 2.2, so they're high in acid, and thus are a low number. And then leafy greens are like a six or a seven or greater number which is more alkaline. So smaller numbers denote a more acid food and higher numbers denote a more alkaline food. Water bath canning is safe for high acid recipes. Water bath canning only gets as hot as boiling water, which is 212 degrees Fahrenheit. And When you have the combination of high acid recipes plus the heat of 212 degrees, those two things working together make an environment inside the canning jar that prohibits the growth of spoilers. It's like the surface of Mars. They can't grow there. It's hot enough plus the acid together make an environment where those that food can be preserved indefinitely in a canning jar on your shelf. Some foods, of course, are not acid, right? Some are more alkaline. And many of those can be safely preserved at home in a pressure canner. A pressure canner gets over 240 degrees. It uses pressure to create more heat. And that is using more heat and the absence of acid or less acid, right? to create an environment where spoilers cannot live. So, Anna, tell us about, you have a a tool that you use that measures acid. Yeah, so I, last year I purchased from a company here in Utah called Thermaworks. They create high-grade digital thermometers, but they also had this product that I was super interested in 
and it measures the pH of food. And this is really important for people maybe that are nervous about like a salsa recipe that's like right on the border and you're not sure if it's acidic enough. This is a way to test your food safely and just in a more scientific way. Uh, there are pH strip tests that you can do, but I mean, those are color coded and it's really not very accurate. And if you're trying to be as safe as possible, I would recommend getting this Thermaworks pH tester. So I've used the pH strips and they're not precise. I think they work, but they only measure one, two, three, four, five, six, right? There's no decimal point. And for the whole little square that is number three, it's not a whole lot different than the shade for number four. So it's, I think they probably measure it, but they're not very precise. It's not a precision instrument. And I think the Thermaworks pH tool that you're talking about is a much more precise thing. So let's just chat briefly about high acid foods and low acid foods. So your fruit, most fruit are high in acid. Raspberries, like all the berries, peaches, any jam, jelly, those are most likely going to be a high acid and thus water bath canning appropriate recipe. If you see green veggies that are pickled, they are acid enough, not because of the innate acidity, but because of the addition of an acidifying ingredient, which is vinegar. That's what makes a pickle a pickle is the, is the vinegar, right? Vinegar is very high in acid, and that is what makes it appropriate to water bath can green beans into dilly beans or bread and butter pickles or regular cucumber pickles or pickled asparagus spears or pickled uh, pearl onions. There's all kinds of low acid veggies that you can water bath can if you're creating a pickle with them. So when it's appropriate to use a pressure canner is when you're doing plain low acid veggies like corn, plain green beans, many wonderful things that you can pressure can, but you can pressure can low acid foods in a pressure canner, whereas you have to do high acid foods in a water bath canner. Tell me about tomatoes, Anna. I'm putting, I've, aren't they so high in acid? <laughs> well, tomatoes are a conundrum sometimes in the canning world because people think that because of, you know, grandma canning tomatoes with no acidifying agent at all that it is safe to do nowadays. But as you and I both know, when we know better, we do better. And they found that Across the board, most tomatoes are just a little bit too low acid to can in a water bath canner without some acidifying agent like citric acid or lemon juice or lime juice. And it's, I wouldn't say it's the bane of my existence during canning <laughs> season, but I field a lot of questions about salsa. I do. There's so many questions it's about salsa, whether or not the family recipe is like safe to water bath can. We've been canning it this way for 30 years. No one's died. It's just, I just can't recommend a tested recipe enough 
for every single person. What about you? Do you feel those questions as well? Yes, yes, I do. I think that tomatoes are often an ingredient in foods that give us heartburn. And I think that's why people just carry this idea in their mind that they're high acid. You know, like pizza, there's all kinds of rich, delicious foods that feel acidic, I guess, because they cause indigestion, maybe. And I think that's why people walk around thinking that tomatoes are so high in acid. They're not. They are right on the cusp of what, in the canning world, denotes high acid and low acid. The magic number that a food must be to be water bath canned is 4.6 or greater acid, which is a lower number. So when cooperative extension offices are testing recipes, they are measuring if the food inside the jar is 4.6 or greater acid, which would be a smaller number, like 3.3, you know, 3.8, whatever. If it is a greater number, that means it's more alkaline and less acid. And that is what means either you have to acidify it with citric acid, lemon juice, or vinegar, or you have to pressure can it in a pressure canner. So it, it is, it is the keystone. It's so important. And that, again, like you don't have to understand anything about acid to correctly and properly follow a tested recipe, but that's the thing that's at work that determines whether or not you water bath can or pressure can. It makes your preserved foods last. It's a natural preserving agent. And Jenny, one of the questions that I get a lot is, well, if I don't water bath can my salsa, can I just pressure can it? Mm. Have you gotten that question yet? (laughs) Yes, I have. So of course, you could pressure can everything. You could. That would kind of be like mowing your lawn with a chainsaw, right? It would be overkill. It uh, takes longer. It's unnecessary. And you would be heating your water bath canning recipes way hotter and way more so than what's necessary. So it's not that it isn't safe to do. It's just is overkill. So it's not necessary to pressure can everything. So when you're canning tomatoes, like let's circle back to the tomatoes, which are on the cusp of almost too alkaline, all tested tomato recipes have the addition of an acidifying ingredient to make them just a little bit over into the threes or in the low fours. So it's acidic enough to water bath can. Can you use freshly squeezed lemon juice as an acidifying ingredient? in a tomato recipe, Anna? Oh, that's a good question. I get a lot. And the answer is no. You're going to want to use a commercial lemon juice that's at least 5% acidity. A commercial lemon juice is what is appropriate and recommended for your canning recipes because the pH is tested on all commercial lemon juices. If you use a lemon juice just from lemons from your yard, uh, the pH could vary and it's, it's just not recommended. And it's not standardized, right? So that's like one of your lemons may be acidic enough, but the other may not. So a bottled lemon juice is what's recommended. And if you're using like a kind of a fancy vinegar, which can be a really delicious way to make pickles, right? You just want to make sure it's a 5% vinegar. Sometimes they're like 6% or 8%. You want to make sure that they're 
the 5% acidity so that you have enough acid to acidify your recipe so that it can be safely water bath canned. So yeah, I get a lot of questions about uh, salsa. And I also get a lot of questions about like grandma's tomato sauce and a lot of tomato sauce questions. And tomatoes are actually such a topic of discussion. We had what half a day at the Master Preserver course out of four days was devoted just to tomato products because there's just this sense of like, my grandma made this tomato sauce. I'm not going to adulterate grandma's recipe with citric acid, which is not sensible. (laughs) Tomatoes nowadays are grown. They are grown to be big, red, delicious, marketable tomatoes. And a hundred years ago, they were way more acid and they were sweet. Like they were, they were different. Okay. Nowadays they are bred for a completely different purpose. And even if you grow your own organic tomatoes at home, you know, and fertilize with worm tea and whatever you want to do, you're not going to be able to create a tomato that is reliably acidic enough. So do you acidify your tomato recipes with citric acid or do you use lemon juice or what do you use, Anna? I use citric acid quite a bit because um, the amount that you add is very minimal. And then I can offset that flavor with some salt. Mm -hmm. What about you? What do you use? I use the citric acid, I would say, almost exclusively. And it's citric acid is just a white powder. It is added to all kinds of foods from gummy bears to lemonade to all kinds of things. And it's a natural... Maybe I should use the word natural, more guarded. I don't know the chemical process that happens to put that in a plastic container that's on your grocery store shelf, but it naturally occurs in lots of foods. And by adding it to my tomato recipes, I can't taste a difference. And by using that amount, it's a very little addition that makes it so that you know your tomato recipe is acid enough. Whatever your recipe dictates to add, add it. If it tells you to add vinegar or lemon juice or citric acid, do it. Yeah. And and another thing I would add too, is that if you have a recipe that you are just obsessed with, you're, it's a family recipe, send that uh, recipe into a local extension office. They can take a look at it and tell you whether or not you need more tomatoes or less onions, things like that, that will make your recipe safe. Because n- you know, we essentially want you to be safe. It's not because we're party poopers. It's because we want you to be safe 100% of the time. So the reason that this is so important, the reason that this is like episode number three instead of 33, is because if you water bath can at 212 degrees, a low acid recipe, which could be a tomato recipe with not an, with no acidifying ingredient, what could grow in that sealed jar, Anna? Well, our least favorite uh, <laughs> toxin, the sea botulism toxin, the big daddy, the big kahuna, the one you do not want to get. <laughs> and that is the thing that so many canners are afraid of. And we'll have a whole episode to talk all about, about that toxin and why you shouldn't worry about it if you follow a trusted canning recipe. But if you water bath can, 
like at a not that hot temperature, just at 212, just boiling, and the the lid seals, that is creating with a low acid food inside, it's creating its ideal environment. It's it's giving C. botulinum the perfect home. That's the opposite of what you want to do. So even if you love your grandma's recipe and it's, I'm sure it's delicious. I think people get offended when I say, no, you can't can that. Like, no, I'm sure your grandma's a great cook. I'm sure it's a delicious recipe. You just have to add an acidifying ingredient. Typically, citric acid doesn't interfere with flavor. It's very easy. You could buy it at the grocery store. It's very simple. By adding a little citric acid, you are completely eliminating the potential for C. botulinum to produce its toxin in your jar of delicious sauce. So that is the, that's the thing. That's the, the guess you don't want at the party is, is botulism, right? And by making your recipe acidic enough or by using a tested and trusted recipe, you are completely avoiding that problem. Yeah. And, and there are things that even though they are low acid are not recommended for pressure canning. In episode two, we talked about uh, pumpkin puree. Even though pumpkin puree is delicious, it's not recommended for a pressure canner because of the density of the product used. What other things are not recommended for, let's say, home canning, but also just in water bath or pressure canning? Sure. So just because you can put it in a jar doesn't mean that you should necessarily, okay? There are a lot of people who who have canned baked goods. I see a lot of baked goods getting canned and that isn't recommended at all. It's a low acid food. And by quote canning it, I'm going to put it in quotes because that is not any method of canning. By preserving it in a jar, in the oven, in a water bath, or in a pressure canner, none of those are recommended for any kind of baked good. So don't can a muffin or cornbread or pancakes. People do those things and it's not recommended and it's not safe. Furthermore, I've seen people pressure canning milk and that is problematic because the protein, which we love, like I love, I love my good protein dairy. It prevents the heat from penetrating and prevents the botulism toxin from being destroyed. So if you see videos with people doing this, just know like, hey, no, that's not for me. I'm not going to do that because that isn't a safe recipe either. I would also add things that are grains like rice, mm. Mm. flours, barley. Those type of things are not recommended in your soups or canning recipes. Right. And that has to do with not only acid. So those are very low acid foods, but also it has to do with just the composition of those foods. It, it can't be safely home canned. I think there's this idea too that like, well, if I can buy that in a store, why can't I can it at home? Right. Those apparatuses are not available for home use. A pressure canner that you can buy for your home use isn't, isn't even remotely the same as a machine that can do that in a factory setting. So it's not because like the government's trying to control you or... <laughs> you're not a sheep if you follow a tested canning recipe you're just using good sense and that's one of the missions of this podcast is to share with you the, the facts behind these recommendations so that you can can safely and confidently so i do see a lot of people canning like canning sugar canning grains canning pasta canning tortellini 
None of those are appropriate. Don't do them. Yeah, and canning in an oven. Oh, yeah, we're going to have a whole episode of things like not to do. And that's going to be, we're going to cover that, the oven canning thing too. But the short answer is don't can in the oven either. But acid is the a keystone element in making canning work, whether it's water bath canning or pressure canning. And it is the keystone element that makes canning work. And by understanding acid, understanding its role, you can can more confidently. And if you want to measure the acid of your recipes, definitely get the Thermoworks pH gun that will measure the pH of your recipes for you. It would just be very informative. You would learn that all the water bath canning recipes that you would test are going to be very high in acid. I think it would be a, a confidence building purchase. It's not necessary, but it would help inform you and make you feel more confident. What do you have to conclude with about our acid discussion, Anna? No, I think I think acid, you're right. Like when you're doing water bath canning, acid is king and you really just have to go with the tested recipes that will list some things in our show notes, uh, some sources for those. But it's going to be recipes that have been tested in food science labs. It's not recipes that have been tested uh, in your Aunt Myrtle's kitchen. Like it's it's going to be scientifically proven. So I took the pH values off of the USDA website and I made a pretty chart and you can download it for free on my blog. And we can link that in the show notes too. But it just, I think it just gives people a sense of the groups of foods that are high acid and the groups of foods that are low. And then I have a little section of the ones that are kind of close to the 4.6, just so you can feel more confident that uh, like if you're making raspberry jam and you have a handful of blackberries, you can look on that chart and know, oh, both of them have almost an identical acid level and they're both quite acidic. It's safe to swap and substitute like like for like, like an, a same acid for the same acid value or pretty darn close. I think it's just as a, another tool to give confidence. It's not that you have to know those things, but it just makes you feel confident going forward. Yeah, that's perfect. And I, I thought your your graph was beautiful. I was like, oh, I need that printed out in my kitchen. Well, thank you, my friend. I have a really great friend. Hopefully we'll have her on here to talk about freezing, freezing, freezer meals and all things freezer. Her name's Elisa at Meal Planning Blueprints. She helped me make that chart, but the, the data is from the USDA website. So I think that wraps it up. You guys grab the acid and canning chart if you're interested and go forward with confidence when you're thinking about acid and canning. That's our show. We don't want you to miss an episode, so please be sure to subscribe. If you found this episode helpful and informative, please give our show a rating and review. It only takes a few seconds and it really helps our show grow. Follow us on social media at Smart Home Canning and at The Domestic Wildflower. Email your preserving questions to perfectly preserved podcast at gmail.com and we will do our best to answer your questions on the show. Thanks so much for listening. Stay tuned for our next episode released every week.